So the hot sauce industry as a whole just tends to be a little bit over the top macho, you know, I guess that's the way to put it. Have you had any, any issues at all? Yeah. So it's interesting. So I've, I've always just existed in kind of male areas um, and, and pretty comfortably. And honestly, nothing prepared me for all of that. Didn't really prepare me for entering the kitchen world. Um, yeah. Just restaurant kitchens. I, you know, naively just thought, you know, cooking, that's a woman's job. So I'm going to be stepping into a woman's world. No, professional cooking is is a man's world. So yeah, the hot sauce world is interesting. You know, I'm I'm grateful to live in a time when there are enough men who are not sexist assholes that um, that I can choose not to not really to participate in that. Welcome to Flavor Balance Heat, the podcast for hot sauce lovers and makers. I'm Spike. And I'm Zach. And today we're speaking with Claire George. Hi, Claire. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. Looking forward to talking about hot sauce. Yeah, I've been I've been looking forward to this episode for quite a while. Um, so tell us your hot sauce history, um, just how you got started with spicy foods. You're you're a chef, though, correct? I well, no. I mean, I'm not. Well, I don't know. How do you even define that word? I know. <laughs> um, so uh, no, actually, my formal education is in computer programming. Oh, wow. Um, so that's my, that's what I went to college for computer programming and applied mathematics. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay area. So, and my dad's a programmer, so it kind of felt natural. I love it. I'm a big nerd, all that fun. And then when I was getting closer to college, I was like, I'm going to do something else. Decided to bake. That was my hobby at that time. Um, and so I started Butterfly Bakery 20 years ago. Uh, and for a long time, it was just me baking in the middle of the night in a rented coffee, coffee shop in downtown Montpelier. And, um, and then, and then I, we finally built our own kitchen after a while and, you know, got stuff going there. And that was, that was good. Um, and then around the time that actually when my husband and I first met, um, we kind of bonded over our, our foodiness. So we're both really big foodies. And, um, and I was telling him about stuff I was making and he was telling me about stuff he was making. And he mentioned that he made a batch of hot sauce. And I was like, huh, I never thought about making hot sauce. That's a condiment, you know, you make that. And uh, and so then our first Christmas that we were dating, we were like, let's make some hot sauce. Let's buy some peppers at the grocery store and, you know, let's cook up some hot sauce. And I, you know, I, I have to imagine that uh, you guys have, and probably a lot of people listening to this have made the mistake of browning chili peppers in a pan. It's a really bad idea. <laughs> Gassed ourselves out. Yeah. Great. We named that first sauce, cough, cough, wheeze, wheeze. The, uh, and then, um, you know, fast forward a few years and, and I started experimenting with stuff at the farmer's market. So that wasn't hot sauce at first. It was baked goods, you know, macaroons, cake, you know, different things to try out. And whatever didn't sell, I would trade with the farmers at the farmer's market with whatever they had left over. And Vermont is a place that grows really good chili peppers, but there hasn't historically been a huge market for it. It's not a really, you know, spicy chili head kind of community here. And uh, so they would have chili peppers left over at the end of the market and I would trade them their 
you know, handful of pounds of chili peppers for, you know, my leftover slices of chocolate cake. And then because I had that experience making hot sauce with my husband, I, um, I would then turn that into hot sauce because what else do you do with like five pounds of chili peppers? And, and, and so then I would sell that at the next farmer's market and that would sell out. And so then I was like, huh, this is kind of cool. Maybe I should do more of this. And, and then, um, you know, so then I was kind of actively getting chili peppers to sell at the sell hot sauces at the farmer's market. And then a friend of, um, a friend of mine or somebody who's a really good friend of mine now at the time he was, he was the partner of a former intern of mine, a baking intern. We used to have a culinary school here in town and, and he reached out and said, I'm growing a whole bunch of chili peppers. Do you want them? And I was like, sure. Well, it turns out a whole bunch meant like 800 pounds. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay. And um, and so I, I just started cranking on making hot sauce. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know how to save. I didn't know how to freeze peppers back then. I didn't know how to do any of that. You know, I... I think I heard you guys talking in a recent podcast about not knowing the the laws around making hot sauce. Definitely did not know them back then. Fortunately, looking back in retrospect, I did it all right. I, you know, I wasn't doing all the filings and stuff, but the the procedures, the safety procedures, I was good on that front. So didn't kill anybody. And I was well, having I was been a baker, I bet that helped a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew all the regular health code laws. I had yeah. actually done a little bit of acidified canning with somebody else just like she was like, Hey, I'm canning some lemon curd. Can you come help me? Like just that basic level kind of taught me about the hot fill hold process and what I needed to do there. And, you know, when I realized I couldn't, you know, do a boiling water cap bath on a woozy bottle, then I was like, well, I remember I did this with Pat and, you know, so I kind of pieced it together and, but yeah, so then, um, so then I got those like 800 pounds of peppers and I started selling it still just at the farmer's market. And, um, and we sold through it so fast. <laughs> we sold so much of it. And, um, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta do this, but I knew, you know, I was a baker. I knew how to order flour and maple syrup. I didn't know how to order chili peppers. Um, and so I went with what I knew, which was how to work with small farms. Um, I reached out to the farmers that I knew at the farmer's market and I, and I set up my first contracts for chili peppers. That first year, I only contracted for 800 pounds because that's what I got before. Seems like a good idea again. And, um, and then as I was getting ready to get started at the larger level, sell to stores, working with, you know, a, a process authority, working in a, in a, in a kitchen with kettles and there was a rented kitchen that we could work in. And I, I was going through all that and I realized 800 pounds was not going to be enough. Um, you know, what, I, again, what not, year was not, that first year? I'm sorry to interrupt. But yeah. What, yeah. No, uh, that would have been that first year that we were ready to sell in stores, I think would have been 2015. Okay. Um, and, and that was, yeah. So I, that's where I schedule. I, I contracted for about 800 pounds with Dog River Farm, which is here in Montpelier. And, and then they, and then I realized that wasn't going to be enough. And I'm glad I did realize that because they've, they're in like a really like foggy hollow. They're right on a riverbank. They got totally decimated in the summer's flooding, but they've, they've always had trouble getting peppers to turn color. So then I reached out to some other farmers saying, help me. And, and they said, well, we're going to send an email to the fruit and veggie listserv, which is a thing that Vermont has. And so they sent it out saying, anybody got peppers? This person wants to buy a bunch of peppers. Um, so I was able to get about 2,500 pounds of peppers that first year. Oh, um, and, uh, and blasted right through it. <laughs> you know, we do really pepper forward sauces. Um, again, I didn't know what I was doing in the beginning. And I was like, 
you know, I'm sure if I just mix in a lot of vinegar, I'm going to have enough acid. And, uh, and so I was like, it's all peppers and vinegar and salt and, you know, maybe a couple other things, but I like, that's what I did. And, you know, so we use a lot of peppers in every of our batches and it, um, it meant that we have to buy a lot of peppers that we still buy this year. We, we did kind of a little reset, uh, just based on being overstocked in our freezer. But last year we bought almost a hundred thousand pounds of Vermont grown produce. And do you have to, because of the seasons there, obviously they don't grow well in the, in the winter. I, <laughs> I uh, went to school in uh, Amherst, Mass, quite a ways south, but still East Coast. I yeah. can't imagine that the, the, the season has to be pretty narrow for peppers there. Yeah. So that's our biggest limiting factor. And so if we get an early frost or something like that happens, it can really change the yield that we get. Um, So we have to order, we have to over order to basically accommodate for that. And then, and then we end up with years like this one where we just have too much because, you know, we over ordered and then, yeah, we have too much. Um, So they, I put in my orders with farmers in um, January Um, they, we order enough peppers that they're really planning their whole crop plan around our orders and depending on the farm. And, and so, so they, so we put in the order in January, they order the seeds, um, they start them. It varies by farm, but usually, um, I think they're starting them in like March and April, um, indoors and greenhouses. And then, and then as soon as, you know, as soon as they're frost free for their zone or for their area, um, they're putting them in the ground. Uh, and then, you know, especially with the super hots, we're really running right up against the oh, end man. of, uh, the, you know, the potential of frost. Um, this year has been a funny year. We've had a really kind of low and slow, mellow fall. Um, so tonight there's a frost warning, but this is the first one that we've had. And most of my farms, and we're, we've gotten all the peppers we need for this year, so we're fine. But but I don't think most of our farms are even going to be affected by tonight's frost. So. And you freeze them? Yeah, we've got a 2,000 square foot freezer. Wow. Bigger oh, than my house. Yeah, <laughs> it's huge. It's, it's, 11, it's 11 foot ceilings. 11 foot ceilings, 2,000 square feet. Like It'd be some prime real estate if it had windows. My kid <laughs> preps our batches. And if I told her that there was any even a, such a thing as a 2,000 square foot freezer, she would be very jealous (laughs) we had to custom build it when we moved into our building um our old our old space we had two 350 square foot freezers and um and then we had a temporary truck outside just because we moved into our we moved in our building october of 2020 so it was later than we wanted to and we'd already started to bring in that year's harvest and so we rented a, a freezer truck just to noisily run in our front driveway oh uh, for a couple months and um the even the two that we had use up about the same amount of power as our like efficiently built tightly sealed brand new uh 2000 square foot freezer wow that's amazing <laughs> like uh claire is uh like a code nerd so if you have any questions about the cfrs she'd be the one to ask <laughs> you know if i <laughs> I wish I had known ahead of time. I definitely would have come out. I just, I'm going to blank right now. I'm like on the spot. Oh my gosh. Well, if you have, if you have any questions in general, I'm like, I'm one of these people who compulsively has to answer questions. So like, if you're like, what does this one mean? I'll be like, I don't, I'm so busy. Okay. Yeah. Let me go figure it out. So So the way, the way Claire and I connected, I had uh, I changed the serving size on my nutrition panel and uh, I don't know, somehow came on one of the group discussions and I was like, I feel like people just put 
one teaspoon so they can claim no sugar and blah. She jumped in. She jumped on my ass. She's like, no, I do it because the I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then she went and scoured the CFR and found it for me. I was oh, like, I love that. My yeah. goodness. And that, that was my first real experience with Claire. That's awesome. Not 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 unhated though. No, I, no, I, that's I very much great. I I really I'm that group I always try to be so careful in so I don't yeah. I don't say a word in that group unless I can back it up with fact. I I feel like people can get a little crazy in there sometimes. Yeah, it's it gets a little drama filled every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I did get into a big argument with somebody once and it was a really good it was early on when I was not quite so cautious in there and um <laughs> and it was and it was a really interesting moment of kind of, you know, one of those moments where you're you're both arguing something totally different. You know, you're one's yelling red, the other one's yelling yellow, red, yellow, red, yellow. And and then you realize you're both, you're both right. right. <laughs> and you're yeah. just looking at two different sides of the same disc or something. It was another sauce maker and it was a question about pH meters. And, um, and I said that a pH meter will read... Uh, will read high when it's hot. And he was like, no, it'll read high when it's low. And I was like, I've used my pH meter for years now. It always reads high when it's hot. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, it absolutely does read low. What are you talking about? And I went and looked it up and everything was saying, oh, it totally reads low when it's hot. And I was like, crap, I'm so confused. This is my meter has always read high when it's hot. It's because my meter, the, I've used the same brand of meter the entire time I've been doing business oh. because I know it and it adjusts for the temperature. It just does it really badly. Got it. Is that yeah. a para? It's uh it's not it's a X stick. Uh like I can send you the link. I think it's it was like one of the ones that was like abundantly available when I first got it. And then now I have to dig for it a little bit just so that I'm just like it'll always give us the same we know we always know how to use it because we just keep using the same one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It makes it easier. So not yeah. <laughs> only is Claire versed in CFR uh, regulations, she also has USDA or is working on USDA stuff. Oh, for yeah. Well, so it's um, we, we we make caramel. Um, we bought a um, a caramel company, a goat's milk caramel company, about a year ago. Um, so we do. You know, hot sauce is what we're best known for at this point, but we still yeah. do bake and um, and we make a lot of other food as well. Um, our inspiration is really just um, what we can make with what grows in Vermont. That That's what that's we awesome. And as somebody who went from chef to hot sauce, I absolutely can see going from baker to hot sauce is easier because it was a real yeah. mental change for me to not be able to change things on the fly. Yeah. Well, so what's interesting there is that I actually do like changing things. Um, I do like to adjust and tweak. I mean, I'm a baker more than a, than I'm a chef in that way. So I, I probably don't mean the exact same thing by that as you do. Um, but even in baking, I know how to to edit and to change, oh, yeah. um, to respond to the ingredients. Um, I, you know, I'm, I have a restricted diet, so my baking really came from modifying recipes to do what I wanted them to do. So even with the, the hot sauce, I've, I figured out a way to kind of build my business and my brand on the, um, on, on being able to make those changes. Um, so we do, besides like the 10 flavors that we sell in stores and sell in big batches, we've got an ever changing rotation of, of micro batches. So at any given time, at this point, we probably have like 15 different micro batches that we, we make like a 
12, 12 case batch, and then we might never make it again. And, and so we're always playing around there. The way, so, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, acidified food rules are set by the FDA, but then every state manages them differently. Yep. Um, and so <laughs> I've seen a lot of arguments happen on the hot sauce in the hot sauce Facebook group about people saying, no, the FDA says this. No, your state says that. And, and Vermont doesn't have a lot of, they don't have really any extra rules beyond the FDA's rules. So um, California has some really intense rules. All of the, everybody has to have their processes approved through the through UC Davis. There's uh, just a lot of levels, a lot, lot more levels in California than there are yeah. in Vermont. So that gave me a lot of freedom that I think a lot of sauce makers don't have um, in their in their states. But um, then I had I used to send a lot of recipes off to process authorities. Oh my God, so many recipes. We worked with University of Maine and Cornell and then a lab down in Massachusetts were our three. And we were just, I mean, practically on a weekly basis, we were sending things off to the lab. And I mean, I always knew that it was going to get approved. There was no question there. Yeah. I knew what all the rules were. And I just, it was just a formality. And um, and then when COVID hit, um, the University of Maine and Cornell both shut down and they were not an option for us to, um, to get our process approvals through. And the lab down in, in Massachusetts, I think they were just swamped. I don't really remember what the issue was with them. They were a lot more expensive as well. And and so I reached out to a Vermont food safety guy. He's like kind of the foremost authority in Vermont in food safety. And he does all the HACCP and FISMA trainings out there. And um, and I was like, Are, can you be my process authority? I need somebody to do it. And he was like, why don't you do it? Oh, I was wow. Like, what? <laughs> I was like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> like, do I yeah. have that option? <laughs> and, um, and I do the FDA, um, really, you know, they set a lot of rules for, um, and define what acidified makers can do. There are the only guiding rule about who can be a process authority is, uh, you have to be an expert by training or experience. That's the line about who can be a process authority. Oh, wow. Um, right? I know. And I, I really researched into that because I was like, I do not want to get in trouble here. Right. Um, yeah. And we don't do any process approval for anybody outside of our company. We only do it for the productions that we do inside of our company. Um, so we actually don't even make, besides what people need to send to like, events and stores and stuff like that, we don't even send, we don't give letters even saying that because they they can't take the recipe and go make it somewhere else with our process approval because that's we we know what our rule internal rules and controls are whereas if they took that somewhere else then we can't control that so but uh but the reality is we're the one who's really on the hook if anything goes wrong as the maker as the producer and um and so we um yeah we're our own process authority now um and we we just had our FDA inspection back in December and um and the guy who was inspecting it, I, I was telling him that. And he was like, well, I don't think I've ever encountered somebody who's their own process authority. And uh, and um, and I was like, nope, but see, look. It, and and he broke out his book and he was like, yep, yep. Okay, you're good. All good. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Idaho um, is like that as well. I mean, when we, we got certified originally in Washington, I've talked about this a bunch of times on the podcast, and then we moved over to Idaho and I called the, the health lady and she said, um, <laughs> I just, uh, the FDA covers you. I, Idaho doesn't want to have anything to do with you. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah. So, and so that's a long way around to saying, because uh, you asked about USDA. So yeah, now we make caramel and um, oh, it's amazing. actually the um, Agency of Agriculture in Vermont who controls milk handling. So we have a milk handler's license and, and, and it's, you know, very similar to the FDA rules, but just like a little bit different. It's like a little shift over, you know, our raw milk is supposed to be, it has to be in a different room than our cooked product, which is weird. Um, so we actually just put in uh, walls that can fall down. I mean, like there's like a roller up at the top of the ceiling and we just, and they can drop, we can drop them down around our milk tanks because that was the only way we could achieve like a separate room. Awesome. So, yeah. Weird things. <laughs> so you've got a lot going on between yeah. baking and caramel <laughs> and hot sauce and wow, that's amazing. Hey, yeah. Spike, do you, do you, do you notice a trend when we have women on, on the podcast, the women tend to be smarter than we had <laughs> just by like, <laughs> their day job, what they were doing before they got into hot sauce. Like we just had Julie on and she is like super highly intelligent. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy. Yeah. Well, and how's that been for you? So the hot sauce industry as a whole just tends to be a little bit over the top macho, you know, I guess <laughs> that's the way to put it. Have you had any, any issues at all? So it's interesting. Um, you know, I mentioned, you know, I used to be a computer programmer. Um, I, I was raised primarily by my dad. Um, I, was I used to be into bowling. I used to I, I've always just existed in kind of male areas um and and pretty comfortably. I mean, I'm fortunate to have, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the 1950s. I grew up in Berkeley where the, so pretty much my whole life there's been an awareness of, hey, sexism is bad. And honestly, nothing prepared me for all of that didn't really prepare me for entering the kitchen world, um, yeah. just restaurant kitchens. I, you know, naively just thought, you know, cooking, that's a woman's job. So I'm going to be stepping into a woman's world. No professional cooking is, is a man's world. And, um, and so, you know, I just, oh God, I remember one moment in my very first professional cooking job, I was a baker in a, in a, a health food store co-op kitchen. And um, one of the guys thought up a dirty joke and thought that I somehow would have too refined of ears to hear it. And so he went and whispered it into our kitchen supervisor's ears. This kitchen supervisor doesn't drink, doesn't swear, and thinks that, you know, dirty jokes are horrible. I, on the other hand, can can swear the bluest streak there is. And um, <laughs> <laughs> he got he got kind of roundly uh, served from our supervisor. So yeah, the hot sauce world is interesting. You know, I'm I'm grateful to live in a time when there are enough men who are not sexist assholes that um, that I can choose not to not really to participate in that. You know, when I was building my current um, my current building, when we moved in there October of 2020, you know, not only was I a woman, I was also the business owner and I was acting general manager or general contractor of building the of all the build out that we were doing. And a lot of men in construction had a lot of issues with that. Concrete was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> that was the uh, the we went through several concrete guys before I found one who would literally actually look at me when he talked <laughs> like I just that. Wow. And, you know, I remember we had a guy working on one of our, um, we had issues with one of our boilers. We just put in a new boiler and we had to get a tech from the company. Um, the regulator was just improperly, it had, it, something was wrong with the regulator. Um, and, uh, 
And so he came out and he would just direct every question, every answer to the plumber. And I was the one who had been working on it. And my plumber's fantastic. Um, and uh, he, and and I, I don't remember exactly what the issue was, but I said something to him about the, you know, water column inches and the regulator. And, and he looked at me and he looked at the plumber and he was like, wow, she really knows what she's talking about, doesn't she? It was like, yeah. Wow, yeah. amazing. Not that he, <laughs> he wouldn't do say that? that about a guy <laughs> saying anything, but he's going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I just, you know, I have, I'm in a point of privilege being the owner of my company. Um, yeah. You know, I don't necessarily have a glass ceiling above me. Um, I make a point of, you know, talking about my kid. I've, I've got to go and pick up my kids. I've got to do all of those things because that should be a normal part of life. And the pandemic actually really helped with that, where a lot of men were home with their kids too. And, um, yes. you know, so that kind of helped normalize that that aspect that you could be a professional and uh, be doing well in life and yes, still have children that you want to go and see their ballet performance of. And uh, so, so I really try to, to, to utilize that, that privilege in a good way. Um, and, and, you know, we, my kitchen supervisor who runs my entire kitchen is also a woman. And, and so I try, you know, the kitchen world's very male dominated. So we make sure to put in our job ads that it's a woman owned company. Um, so they're not going to have to deal with the same sexism and frustration that they might deal, they might be accustomed to dealing with in other, in other kitchens. And, you know, it's, it's comforting to just be able to roll my eyes sometimes when <laughs> I see attitudes. Um, you know, I think uh, I remember you guys talking about on an earlier episode about that thread in the hot sauce group about, uh, about, somebody wanting to see, you know, wanting to buy sauce from a female hot sauce maker and a yeah. bunch of. <laughs> was that you? Did you say that? The, the the message that was on there? The, I, there was. I think, I think, I think it actually was Julie. That yeah. Said. Julie oh, did a Julie? lot of the commenting Got on it. there. Yeah. I don't, I actually don't remember if I replied. I definitely went through and liked a bunch of stuff. Um, I think by the time I came in, I was kind of like, yeah. and, uh, and it was, but I remember one of our, one of our customers, one of our, you know, who orders a fair amount from us said something along the lines of, uh, you know, this is a stupid question. I, in all my years of selling hot sauce, I've never been asked this question before. And, you know, this isn't something that people care about. As he replied to a, co a comment of a customer wanting to buy hot sauce, asking this very question. <laughs> like... The, uh, so Julie, I, well, I couldn't remember which one of you, because uh, Zach, I think, originally thought it was you. And yes, then we thought yes, it was Julie. And, yeah. I, and I think that's what you said in the earlier podcast. But yeah, yeah. I think it was Julie who said that. Oh, I wish uh, when we had Julie, well, we'll have to have Julie on again and talk about it, because I think <laughs> that was great. It was, I mean, it was so well stated. Um, yeah. And for those out there listening, I, 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 Zach, can you, I'm so bad about requoting things. Uh, I mean, I can't really quote it uh, <laughs> verbatim, but it was something along the lines like, well, why can't you just. Dude, yeah, the question <laughs> the question in the group was um if anybody knew of any women-owned hot sauce companies out there, and then a ton of flack from guys going, Well, why does it have to be women-owned? Blah blah blah. <laughs> and uh, I mean it's like you can support good, you know, just yeah. good hot sauce. And it's like, no, you can support good hot sauce and you can support poor women-owned hot sauce, and that's okay. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. Well, so. and and I think that's a really it's a really important message, and it's really important to to help 
I mean, in any area, it's not just women, it's not just people of color, it's in any area of people who have not had adequate representation in that field to to just elevate them a little, push them a little far forward, a little farther forward, because that representation matters, you know, and it just, and, and I even, one of the elements of representation that I really gravitate toward is I'm a really strong woman. I'm, I cannot be anything but who I am. I, I have, I have a personality and I'm a strong woman and I love seeing other strong women out there achieving whatever that is that they're achieving. And, and it, whenever I see that, I gravitate towards, I'm like, ah, oh, that's so cool. Like I love the, the artist pink, love listening to her music. She's clearly a strong woman. Yeah. Um. And, and it just, you know, so even as a strong person, I still need that representation. I still need to see women doing that and being like, ah, okay, cool. I can do that too. Well, and it's an energy thing, you know, yeah. not just, you know, there's a certain energy. I, when you were talking earlier about kitchens being male dominated uh, uh, when i was on the line i preferred being in kitchens that had a well a nice balance of men and women it they, just things ran better there's a mm-hmm. I, I i don't want to get too crazy but uh podcasts so uh zach and i have been talking about someday you know at some point having a third person but we're both mm-hmm. insistent that it should be a woman because i've seen mm-hmm. podcasts that many podcasts where uh, well, we've both talked about this. I shouldn't say I. We've talked about how we've seen many podcasts where it just becomes, I mean, a sausage fest. It's just a bunch <laughs> of dudes talking about, you know, dude perspectives. And it, the energy is re- kind of just lopsided. And so I think it's, you know, our, in our kitchen for our for our hot sauce, it's we have almost all women just by choice. You know, they all want to work for us, which is yeah. an honor. And women run our hot sauce completely with all of our leads are women and it's been it's got a great energy so my hottest life is actually a woman-owned company isn't it not anymore it was well yeah so my wife was the owner originally but now we've merged with another company i do vandal pepper sauces and irish spikes and then we merged both companies so now we have five owners two uh, three men and two women so we're a good yeah. mix. <laughs> yeah, our our leadership team is a mix of men and women and it's it's a nice it's a nice balance and yeah. there's there's studies that show that that groups of people um I want to say I heard this on like Hidden Brain or something on NPR um that if you have a group of people who are mixed gender mm-hmm. and mixed race mm-hmm. that they do better at tasks than if it is all one gender or all one race. And and that's just bringing that diversity of opinions. I like to use the example, I, I, that makes perfect sense to me, by the way, but I like, uh, Howard Stern is a great example of somebody who, like if you watched or listened to Howard Stern 20 years ago and you watch and let, now he's always had a, a woman, a, a black woman co-host with him. Robin. Yeah, Robin, and that energy I believe has been essential in this, you know, growing up that he's done over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's really important. And it's not like she's gone out of her way to scold him at the wrong times. It's just, you know, that energy changes things and it's great. Um, yeah. I, I love seeing that. So, yeah. 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 Well, and, you know, and it's, I like, I, 
I've definitely been guilty of, you know, having a, a couple of people walk up to my booth at the farmer's market, looking at the hot sauce. And I start talking to the man because that's my assumption of who's there. And then the woman starts, you know, asking me all the questions and I'm like, oh, pivot. We've got uh, a different person interested. And I love seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's I've noticed more and more lately. You know how you always have the couple that walks up and one person steps up because they're the one into hot sauce and the other one steps yeah. back. I always <laughs> gravitate towards the person who steps back when I'm talking to them at farmer's market because I want to let them know that we have sauces for them, too. Yeah. But I'm seeing more and more that it, it where it used to be the male that would step yeah. up. And then now I'm seeing more of the male stepping back and the woman stepping up. And it's nice to see that mix, that changing of dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And actually even, I mean, in just the broadening interest in spicy, I'm seeing more children. Yeah. Um, you know, that's when we, uh, my children don't like spicy food at all, probably because the spicy food we have in our house is probably a little too much to start a child mm -hmm. on. But, uh, the, um, but I used to do spicy chocolate truffles. I started those, you know, 20 years ago when I first started the bakery and, oh. and, you know, children never went near that. And, uh, and then through the years, as I was demoing that uh, more and more children were like, Ooh, dark chocolate. That's my favorite. Ooh, spicy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have that one. Like, you know, you're, you're nine. Like what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling great right this very second. Oh, so if I'm, I'm making funny noises over here, that's, that's why. That's <laughs> all right. That's all I'm right. Just waiting for, I'm just waiting for the ibuprofen to kick in. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. I'm down to twice a day. I'm not eating it four times a day anymore. So that's Are good. you, are you getting new teeth soon? Uh, tomorrow I go in and have my, nice. uh, hopefully get the impressions done and then uh, I've, teeth later tomorrow nice uh, because that's awesome like, i don't like sound like that. but it's okay you know it's just temporary <laughs> there you go yeah so all right i'm gonna change gears a little bit what's your favorite sauce that didn't sell as well as you'd like so that's a funny question we i mean i i feel like i do a lot of like throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks like yeah. that's just we do a ton of that and uh and so you know we we've had a couple sauces so back Oh gosh, 2018, maybe 19, we came out with a line of beer hot sauces. We had this big focus on beer hot sauces and, and a couple of them didn't do very well. And we ended up discontinuing them. And, and it's, and it's funny because like one of the ones that didn't do well was our peppercorn porter and people keep asking for it. So we've had a lot of these sauces that like don't do well and we go, oh, okay, whatever, you know, toss them aside. And then all of a sudden there's this like resurgence of interest that happens like after it's long since sold out, after we've discontinued it. Um, we had people who wanted us to special make them a whole batch of peppercorn porter for their wedding. <laughs> like they loved it that much. They wanted it for their wedding as like wedding favors. And uh, we had another one, uh, corn, corn whiskey um, that we that again, it didn't, it just didn't move. It didn't move. And then it's, it sat there. I mean, you know, sauces change flavor as they sit. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, we probably, it was probably like a year later, we still had it and, and we were still selling it all of a sudden, everybody was like that, that's the sauce I want. It's amazing. And I, uh, okay, let me, yeah. let me make another batch of that and let it sit around for a year. I think that's the story of how Worcestershire was created. I don't know if you know that, but like, <laughs> no. I, I think it was like the King of England at the time. Uh, wanted something made that they had tasted from the Orient and um, they created it and it tasted awful. Like everybody hated it and they stuck it down, like all these casks down under 
you know, I don't know, the castle or whatever they were in. And like five years later, they cracked it open and went, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I totally butchered that story, but that's the basics yeah. of it. <laughs> well, it's so... I have a very good memory. No, I'm awful. <laughs> it's so funny what will resonate with people and what doesn't and what they what they go for, what they go back for. Um, you know, we, we just, I mean, honestly, we really haven't even released it. We kind of have released it. So we, um, we did a sauce for the heatnest, uh, for their sub box, um, a maple coffee sauce. And, um, it was actually supposed to be, yeah, yeah. Um, it, so yeah, that, that just came out last month or something like that. And, um, that was it was we were actually supposed to do a different box different sauce for their sub box and we had some ingredient sourcing issues and we had been working on this recipe of just changing how we do the coffee and um and and so we kind of revamped the entire recipe and i knew they had had our old recipe and really liked it so i was like hey you know we have an ingredient sourcing issue on this other sauce you know how about this one um so i sent them a sample of that they liked it we had to it was utter madness to get it out because it coincided with all the flooding we had here in Vermont. So fortunately oh. the coffee that was supposed to go into it, cause it was, I mean, it was something like 120 pounds of coffee that we needed to put in this thing and of coffee beans. And they had roasted it on the, on Monday and Tuesday was all the flooding. So we, we, they had the coffee, but we couldn't actually get to them because they had, they were cut off from the flooding. Um, and then finally one road opened and somebody was able to go and get it. And then we were rushing to get everything made in time to get it out for the time. It was lots of craziness. And, um, and it, um, and I adore that sauce. Like that was, this feels like, you know, when you work on a sauce that's, oh, yeah. that's like, it has some difficult technique and you've, you've been doing something different and you've been, and like, and I'm just like, I'm so proud of that sauce and the way the coffee flavor comes out and the layers, and like all of that. I love it. And, um, and it's been getting, as far as I can tell, it's been getting really good reviews or really good comments, but the, uh, but the, you know, there's a couple of people, there's always a couple of people who, who haven't liked it. And, <sighs> um, and, and I'm yeah. always kind of like, no, the sauce is like perfection. Like you can't not like this. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, coffee is an interesting thing too, because we have, I think we've got three or four sauces with coffee. Uh, we've got a whiskey and coffee and we've got, uh, we <laughs> talk about, this is a great one. So I had this brilliant idea because I just do crazy stuff, like, like based just what you do. And I had this brilliant idea to uh, partner with an energy drink company on <laughs> The west side over by seattle and i thought oh then you know they'll be pushing their us there and we'll push them here uh, we're in a college town so that's great and so they have something called coffee pop and it's coffee and soda and i thought oh it's it'll be like kind of a barbecue thing it'll be great so i made it it's a good sauce it's very mild right. and people I, I put on the label energy drink under the thing and nobody wanted it because they all thought i mean it just didn't sell i've still got a case in my in the <laughs> well yeah when, when you say energy i mean coffee barbecue like that oh, sounds great but when you say energy drink it makes it taste seem like it's going to taste like like kool-aid or like yep protein or something <laughs> yeah or red bull that's the thing everybody red said bull, oh yeah. i don't i don't want a red bull hot sauce oh. <laughs> did you did you hear about those mountain dew flavored hot dogs what yeah, they have two. They have the regular Mountain Dew flavor and then the melon Mountain Dew. Like melon flavor. Yeah, I'm already yeah. not feeling good. So if we could make that <laughs> at ease, that would be. Well, 
long story short, I'm going to try your uh, maple one because that sounds really, yeah. really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can send you some. I can send you some. Oh, I, I really, yeah, that's, I really like it. We just did. It's, we discontinued our whiskey and coffee and brought it back as a micro batch. And I it yeah. elevated all the things. So nice. speaking of coffee, so we've coffee. done the coffee right. three different ways. Yeah, we've brewed it with the vinegar, like just we've used instant and then we've brewed it with water and added the water yeah how a, a local company make you cold brew coffee i mean we, we could do that we have a local company that we work with all the time um and have since the beginning but um so i'm working on a steak sauce that's going to have coffee in it and i'm trying to decide which of those three methods i'm going to do and uh which works best for you i'm just curious if you don't mind yeah. answering so I think I think the key, the key for us, the thing that was the real technique issue that we really had to figure out was not letting the sauce boil. Once the coffee is in there, we don't boil it. And and that is a really fine art <laughs> to get it above the 200 degree kill step stage and not let it boil. Um, I have a deep aversion to burnt coffee. I hate burnt coffee yeah. with every fiber of my being. And um, and and that was that was the trick for me was how can we add this coffee and use real coffee because that's what we do. You know, we use we work, you know, instead of a coffee extract or something like that, we got we have to work with a local company. How do we do that without getting it to boil? And and how do we do that at scale? Like it's one thing to watch it really carefully on a stove and stand there and stir. And, and we were doing it, our method, the previous method we had kept it only, we could do it at micro, but we couldn't scale it up effectively. And, um, and the realization that we could make it this particular way and, and scale it up to the amount that we could do, you know, enough for a heatness order um, was the, that was the, that was the, the oh, trick. Scaling <laughs> up is the hardest thing. So, I mean, I also bring everything up 200 degrees just because, you know, our hot one situation yeah. and our co-packer. Problem. Yeah. Well, I will right. never, ever fucking have to go through that. So everything's 200 degrees now. <laughs> yeah. But because your elevation is probably much higher than where I'm at, I would have. You know? No, we're at like 200 feet. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Our, I should say Montpelier is at like 200 feet. I think in Barrie, we might be at like 500 feet or something, but we're not, oh, we're not high up. Yeah. Heard. Just, nice. just northern latitude. That's it. Oh, well, Vermont's a good skiing place, isn't it? So I just yeah. Oh yeah, we've we've got mountains. I'm just not on one. <laughs> well, that builds that question. You just yeah, gain so, extra faith, you know. I, I, like, yeah. I like I like to argue people. With, oh, 170 <laughs> degrees for 30 minutes. I'm like, why don't you just bring it up another 30 degrees in four minutes and be done? <laughs> yep, right. Absolutely. Right? Well, and that's, um, that's actually an interesting, so we do, we do, a, so we do a lot of co-packing and um, we have a cold fill sauce that we make for a client. We don't do it for ourselves. We do it for a client and the FDA rules on a cold fill process are just, whew, they, they pay a lot of attention to those processes when you submit them. You know, when you, I mean, I'm sure you guys know when you submit something, you know, regular hot fill hold, the certified process, they don't say boo. They go, oh, okay, sounds good. And moves yeah. on. Um, but, uh, but the cold fill process, they, they go over it in great detail. They ask me questions, all of that to make sure it's right. This particular one is it's got preservatives in it. So it's not, 
it's not a particularly problematic one or anything like that. We just, but that process of going through that with the FDA was really interesting. And, um, and I, what I learned through it and through our inspection in December, which I get along really well with regulators because I probably ask them more questions than they ask me. And, uh, and so what I realized that the FDA will let you do pretty much whatever you want, as long as you can prove that it's safe oh, and, yeah. and, and you can prove it with, you know, with methods that have already existed um, and, you know, cite, citations of studies that have already existed, or you can do your own study. And, um, and, and that's why the rules are from the FDA's, the FDA's rules are re- pretty vague that really it's um, a lot of the detail is set at state level or, um, you know, in uh, by a uh, by a process authority, but the FDA's rules are, are set pretty vague because it's it, it you just have to prove that it's safe. Um, so in that, I remember I read a study while working on the cold fill about the microbial safety of salad dressings and mayonnaises. And um, because those are cold fill, obviously that's not with preservatives, that's through acidification. But it was really fascinating because it was basically, I mean, I don't know, I feel like the narrative we all hear about mayonnaise is like, you, you, you kill people. Like it sits out in the sun and people die. Um, and just reading about this and about the how the bacterial count would be would be diminished over time and how giving at least i think it was like 5 days or something like that actually increases the safety as opposed to decreasing which is kind of the attitude we have about everything and uh and so which also made me think back to the lab of scientists who um, made alcoholic eggnog and um and tracked the food safety of it to say you know the more alcohol you put in it the longer you let it sit the safer it is I'd like to be a part of that. Well, not anymore, but at one time, I would like to have been a part of that study. So there, if I remember, there's a pH cutoff at to what point you can cold fill, right? Like it has to be pretty. Yeah, uh, 3.8. Yeah. yeah. And and I did work with a lab at, on that one because I'm not an expert in that. So, you know, we we worked with a lab down in Massachusetts um to help us with that process. That really and and then they also helped questions. us through. Yeah, yeah. They helped us through all of the questions and everything that the FDA was asking and make sure that we were And then you have to cap an invert for uh, no, well, so actually I, I said 3.8 just because I'm sure somebody listening will know it is actually 3.5. Yeah, 3.45. Actually, but I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, I, I think it was I think it was 3.5, but I think it probably has to do with the preservatives that you use and stuff like that. So but uh and if I am wrong, I do have it correct in the paperwork, just not necessarily off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. I get it. Yeah, you have a lot of information in that domain. <laughs> well, and when you're juggling so many sauces and so many processes, oh man, people yeah. ask me what's in this sauce or that sauce, and it's been like four <laughs> years since I made it. I'm like, food. There's food yeah, in there. that's it. I, I I'm not on the line making it anymore. So uh, you know, yeah. I just yeah. look at the paperwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, and that's, that's, that's actually part of that dealing with all of that uh, different information is part of the reason that I am the process authority. It means that we can set the same set of rules across COPAC clients, because we were having people come in with different process letters from different authorities that had different, had really different rules. Um, So University of Maine and Cornell tended to have pretty similar rules. Um, 3.8 with a metal cap, um, invert five minutes, that sort of thing. Then there's a whole school of thought that comes out of North Carolina, Tennessee. I don't remember which lab, uh, which school that um, that's more of the like invert for 
two seconds and at above 160 or just totally different thresholds. And uh, that just gave me the insight of like, let me research into this and figure out why the rules are so different, you know, what makes what safe. Um, and so, and so I was able to come up with a set of consistent rules that we could use across all of our products. So when my kitchen staff is doing a sauce, they know what the rules are and it's not going to be them thinking that the temperature threshold is 180 and it turns out on that particular one, it's 185. And then all of a sudden we need to go through and find all the bottles that were bottled between this time and this time and toss them all out because they were bottled at 184, you know? So that's like, it, it adds a lot. It makes, a, it makes our life a lot easier for to oh, set, set of rules. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Awesome. So, so do you, do you, oh, do you have any products with like uh, butter or other animal proteins in them? Nothing with butter. We okay. do make um we make the Keith sauces, Keith chicken sauce, burger sauce, taco sauce for the Try Guys. Um, and the chicken sauce has um a sour cream powder in it. Powder. Powder. Yeah, not a liquid, but a powder. Uh, um, it's still technically an animal product. How much does it change yeah. your process when you do that? But not at all. I mean, oh. it's, it's, um, no, it's still FDA controlled. It's not, uh, I don't remember. I, I remember the threshold when it comes to meat, which is 2% by weight. Um, but I mean, even then it wasn't 2% by weight of sour cream powder. That would be pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, but, but if you're making a pizza, like a frozen pizza, if you can put bacon on top of it, you can put pepperoni on top of it, but it has to be less than 2% by weight or else it becomes a USDA controlled product. And then the USDA has to come and inspect. And I've got, I've got friends who do USDA products like soups and pizzas and stuff like that. And um, it's, it, you know, it's a, it's a thing. It's a regulatory thing, but it's not that big of a deal. You have to give the USDA, a, you have to have an inspector on site when, when you're doing the production. And then you have to give them an office space, which I remember when I first heard that, I thought that was crazy. Cause at the time I didn't even have an office space, but I still don't <laughs> so, have an office space. Right. And uh, so, yeah, you had to give them an office, you have to give them an office space and they have to be there for production. And otherwise it's just, you know, a set of rules to follow. So. Yeah. yeah, I actually have a sauce at some point I'd like to do that has mayo in it, but I haven't even, I'm not there yet. Why? The, um, Why? being, have you, have you looked into the, the regulatory side of it? It really may not change no. anything for you. Really? Well, I might take a look at it. It's so it, one of our sauces, I put together a wing sauce and it has mayo and, uh, well, it, it had originally, it was just a riff I did when I was in the restaurant business with ranch, but I, yeah. could eliminate most of the ranch product and still make yep. it work. So the well, and that's what we're doing with the Keith's chicken sauces. It's a ranch, it's a ranch sauce, a ranch hot sauce. Got it. Um now the one thing to be careful of when you're adding fat to a recipe is not so much the regulatory side of it, um, but the uh fire safety side of it. Oh, if yeah. um if your hoods are not fire rated and you have grease-laden vapors, the greases can can they can get into the inside of the of the hood the hood system and if you know anything ignites it could catch fire and if if you ha don't have a welded um, exhaust system then the fire can escape out into the whole building and burn your whole place down. Yeah, we work in a kitchen. Uh, we, I I uh, am in a uh, actually a bakery. <laughs> working, out, working in a bakery, uh, nice. bakery yeah, it, but good. they also have a, a fryer there and it's the whole okay. hood. Yeah. Yeah, so they've got the whole, the whole it's an system, yeah. old school crazy hood system this is buildings over 100 years old so this oh, wow. hood system when you turn off 
the I, I mean, every one I've ever worked in, you turn it off, the, the fans stop. But this yeah. is so old when you turn it off, you can hear water coming down. Like pulls everything down on the guests on the inside. It, t- it it's huh. like I thought the first time I hit the button, I thought, "What did I do?" Because <laughs> it just sounds like it started like pouring rain outside. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> really cool. Yeah, it's kind of wow. awesome. <laughs> well, have you ever had the issue with your hood that it starts snowing under your hood? I have not in this kitchen, but in another one, we were we were prepping, and all of a sudden the snow's coming in and like landing on us while we're and we're like talking. <laughs> well, it yeah. wasn't when it happened to us the first time it happened to us. It wasn't snowing outside. It was uh, it was the condensation from the cold air, from the makeup oh. air, and our hot air going up. It was creating snow just right in 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 the hood. <laughs> Oh, I've never had that happen. That's awesome. Yeah, no, uh, I definitely don't have that problem because this is where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I'd rather be in the cold. And like I texted you earlier, if we do what we're talking about doing, like I will come <laughs> to uh, Idaho and make this off with you, but I will not do it in the winter. So we should tell Claire about this because this is an ongoing, we're going to, it's going to be an ongoing saga for a while. I, I want to do a hundred dollar hot sauce. Mm, I want to mm-hmm. do a sauce that has yeah. uh, ingredients and production that equals warranting that kind of, yeah. I mean, it may end up being, you know, 89 99 or something like that. But the <laughs> idea is to, to reach for that goal and have all the processes involved that would warrant that along with in really high end ingredients. And I've been trying to do it with Zach and we've been back and forth on what we want to do sparring here and there you know it's been uh it's been fun I actually really like this kind of thing these processes with other people are fun yeah. um yeah and I drive people crazy yeah a little bit <laughs> someday my only day to do anything that to do whatever I want that's not hot sauce related and this motherfucker texted me about hot sauce shit and I'm like hey I already <laughs> do this podcast man come on don't don't be scooping up any more of my Sundays I I love talking hot sauce like I love talking shop I mean it doesn't actually have to be hot sauce but that's you know it's easier for me to talk hot sauce than it is for me to talk goat's milk caramel with somebody but uh 100 I mostly yeah. <laughs> they were yeah. making fun of me at my restaurant uh one of the uh, other managers walked up in front of me to talk to another manager and he goes hey you know what they call me my real name's chris don't call me that but uh they (laughs) do because that's you know they're used to that and uh he goes chris just texted me he said hot sauce hot sauce hot sauce hot sauce hot sauce hot sauce and hot sauce (laughs) and he goes oh yeah did you text him back yes i did i said hot sauce and that's so that's our (laughs) greeting now whenever i see him because that's all i ever talk about yeah there's another hot sauce maker in in my town and um and he and i have a kid that's the same age um and so we've ended up at the same birthday parties and um and we just stand in the corner and talk hot sauce the whole time yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like because we have the opportunity when else what else do you get to do it? well that's so. why we started a podcast so we could do it and yeah. you know and and tell the whole world <laughs> yeah yeah no i've really enjoyed listening to your guys's podcast i really enjoy yeah, makers, sellers, just the that world, the business side of of um of the hot sauce world is, you know, not really part of the story out there about hot sauce, which um it's just nice to yeah, hear people talking about it. So I tried your sauce, I think for the first time, probably it was the smoked onion. Yep. Uh, it's which I, I think sauce. is yeah. And I think I tried that for the first time three years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. 
and um, we have a similar sauce, similar tasting uh, sauce. Yep. And it was the Vandal pepper sauce. I mean, to me, uh, yep. it was the Vandal pepper sauce that I took over with, and it had a different, uh, you know, set of ingredients. And I've kind of updated that over the years. But that sauce had a big influence on how I made changes to that sauce. So thank you so much. Uh, I love that. Awesome. That was great. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I'm a well, fucking you know, that... asshole and I have not had any of your products and I'm really <laughs> Well, why don't why don't we do why don't we do a trade? Why don't okay. we do I'll send you some of mine, you send me some of yours. Okay. I Good. love I love trying other people's stuff. Cuz you haven't had any high desert. I probably have. So the funny thing is I am not the chili head of the family. My husband is. Um no. and I mostly eat my own sauces. Um, I really yeah. like my sauces and that's what I tend to eat. But I am the same um, way. And that's yeah. 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 And um and but my husband, I mean, he eats my sauces too, but he also loves trying everybody else's sauces. So he gets the heat in a subscription box. He, you know, buys hot sauce at stores. He, you know, does all sorts of hot sauce shopping. And it's great because I don't have to, um, <laughs> but, but he brings them home and I get to taste them and decide, you know, if I want to have more of it or not. And um, so I'm almost positive that I've had it, that um, that it's something that he's brought home. But honestly, to be well, sure, if he got I'm the, not sure. <laughs> if he got the heat in his sub box, he definitely got a bottle of teacup masala that blew the fuck up in your face. Well, he, he's, he doesn't always subscribe to that. Oh, okay. But yeah, I, I heard, I think it was, I don't know where I heard your story about that. It might have been in the hot sauce group or, um, but then I was just so curious that about is. that especially because it was a, a co-packer issue and, you know, yeah. we're a co-packer. So I'm always like, I'm like, crap, what, what happened? What happened there? And um, were they not properly heating the sauce? Was that the- So I had to send the sauce out to uh, a lab myself to get a test and see what's going on. There was a, up to 11 million colony forming oh, units of lactic acid bacteria program. Oh, man. So that tells me that they did not bring anything to temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, what do I know? Wow. Well, we, uh, I, um, I have a co-pack client who also who has another co-packer. Like he, he separates between two just for lots of reasons. And, yeah. um, and he's definitely that, that other co-packers since gone out of business, but I know that he had used to get into some temperature issues or consistency issues. Yeah. And it's the co the co-packing arrangement is such a, interesting arrangement um and it's really it's really a relationship and i've absolutely had copac clients who i i've fired copac clients before because we just don't mesh well and and it's you know you got to go find somebody else um and i've obviously been fired by copac uh, clients before because it, it doesn't mesh well and and it's and and it's I think it's easy for, I, I don't know, it's easy for people who have made a bunch of products and they know what works well for them. But then when you get somebody else's recipe, it's just a different beast. And, and they, you know, it's, it's really interesting as sauce makers, how we get, we all do things the way we do them because we've always done them that way. And, um, and we're all in our own little silo of manufacturing. Um, and then, that's one of the things I love about co-packing is that I see how people do things in totally different ways than I would have ever expected. And you would think how many different ways are there to make hot sauce? And there's a lot. Yeah. So I, sorry, you had such an awful experience with a co-packer. Uh, hey man, heatness was, or hot ones was the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> and I mean, that was the utmost love. I mean, it's nothing <laughs> against hot ones or heatness. It's, 
you know, it was just, it was a learning experience for sure. Well, that learning yeah. experience is going to end up helping you in the end, I think, but it's, well, yeah, it's just mean, getting to that other I side mean, that sucks. It's honestly fucking up somebody else's product is the thing that scares me the most about co-packing. Um, and, and it's, it's so we, we have, we have fucked up batches, but it's, you know, not nothing on that scale. And, and it's nothing that we've sent out. We've caught it before it's sent out. We, uh, uh, what was it? What was there was one batch. This is years ago. It was before the pandemic. At, a, at an employee who didn't know the difference between orange oil and orange extract. It's a little bit of a difference between orange oil and orange extract. And uh, yeah, it was a whole uh, whole kettle, whole kettle full of sauce. Tasted like an orange creamsicle. How, how big are your kettles? <laughs> So we have a lot of kettles. Uh, we've got a 40-gallon kettle and 80-gallon kettle. Um, those were our original kettles. We actually had two 40s in our old space, and then one break, broke and we replaced it with an 80. Those are standalone Cleveland, Cleveland steam-jacketed kettles. Then when we moved into our current kitchen, we inherited a lot of equipment from the previous owners of the building. Um, and so we have a... 100 gallon kettle that we bottle out of and it's got um temp it does its own temperature management and agitation um Holy so it's shit. it's wow. really great it's a really great <laughs> kettle so that that is our secret to how we keep that other sauce maintained at temperature um is to uh is that we can set that temperature that kettle at a temperature and it'll stay right there there's a few tricks to not letting it go too high and like getting hot spots and stuff like that but but that's so that's our 100 gallon kettle that we bottle from um we can't do any blending in that kettle so it always has to be smooth sauce when we put it in there and then we've got a 200 gallon kettle that we do most of our cooks in um so we cook it in the 200 gallon kettle it's got a chopper it's got an agitator and that both of the 100 and the 200 runs off of a steam uh like a big massive steam boiler in the other room that i affectionately refer to as the pipe bomb it's gigantic because <laughs> that's exactly what it is yeah it is right it's a high yeah. pressure steam boiler it is a pipe bomb it is a big old pipe bomb yep and uh and then since we bought the caramel company we have six copper actually we have nine but we run six copper kettles um copper candy kettles that are on candy oh, stoves wow yeah yep we got a whole got a whole sea of kettles we'll hang out in vermont for like <laughs> yeah i know I I am really open to having other sauce makers come and visit. I'm right? a really big yeah. um, proponent of sharing information, sharing what we do. I'm really big into collaboration. I'm really big into, I, I'm not one of, I, now just to preface this, you know, we do guard secrets from our Copac clients. So I don't share that information, Whoops. but, um, but no, in terms of our own information, I feel like. I have benefited more from collaboration and sharing than I have from holding my secrets tight and precious and, yeah. you know, under my pile of, you know, that's just not my, it's just not who I am. And um, collaboration has just benefited us, you know, tenfold at any, any moment. So. Yeah. Yeah. Back, when, the, back when Ghost of Saffron was like taking over the internet or the Facebook groups, at least, <laughs> you know, people would want to come in and watch us make it, talk to me about it. And you know what I mean? I'd get emails from some of the old timers like, Hey, you're showing too many, too much of your process to people. And I'm like, it's a fucking hot sauce. Anybody <laughs> who makes hot sauce knows this. I mean, if <laughs> they want to I mean? do it, it's, it's a lot harder work than it looks. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, especially because we started out as a bakery. I mean, like everybody knows how to make a chocolate chip cookie. 
Like, you know, you, you read the back of a package and it's going to tell you how to make a chocolate chip cookie. Yet we still like going out there and buying chocolate chip cookies. We're not, we're not buying the, the, the secrets, the amazing that we're buying it because it's convenient. It's delicious. We enjoy it. It's not something we want to make at home. Not something that we personally have the skill to make at home. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, there's, there are little things that, you know, especially if I figure out some super special thing, then, you know, maybe I'm going to hold on to it for a minute. Um, and like I said, I'd keep other people's information secret. We actually do a decent amount of co-packing for celebrities. So there's all kinds of contracts and NDAs and stuff like yeah. that associated with that stuff. But, but it's really, you know, and I also, I'm also good at hiding what I'm not sharing because I seem to share so much. Everybody just assumes I'm sharing it all, no. but the, uh, but yeah, so I, I think it's, um, I, I love, I, I get annoyed when people just, I, I, we've been getting a lot of press here in Vermont recently. And sometimes we get people who apply for jobs who I realize a little too late or clearly just want to tour the place. And, um, that's annoying. I, I feel like you're wasting my time. Don't do that, please. Um, so then and we don't, do you also have to sign an NDA with your employees. So we've talked to lawyers about it. It's it's a bit of a weird area to do NDAs with employees because if they have a breach of the NDA, they get fired. What are you going to really achieve from that? Um, you know, they're fired. They're not working anymore. <laughs> what are you, are you going to get money from them? You know, so it's it's not we keep a lot of our, you know, our recipes and our information in, you know, I, like I told you, my background's computer programming. So we keep that information in secured ways that, that kind of makes it not easy to share if somebody wanted to do something really stupid, you know, and it's, it, it's something we're, we're continuing to think about, you know, if we'd have NDAs with employees or not, um, if there's value in that we have had, we've had specifically specific celebrity clients who have required it for their product. And so we have done it in those cases, but just for like overall, it's not something that we do right now. So if I'm ever lucky enough to get another Hot Ones order, which I very highly doubt, what what would it be? What would it take for like a co-packing situation between? Yeah. You? Yeah. Um, so, um, so, you know, what's, what's funny too, is that we were, we were on season 20 of Hot Ones with Taco Vibes Only um, two of our co-pack clients were on season 21 of Hot Ones. So oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And the Heat the News folks didn't realize it until they had already decided their lineup. And then um I I knew it was gonna happen just because of because we have a good relationship, a good working relationship with the Heatness, people often come to me with their Heatness questions. They're like, Heatness is doing this weird thing. What does it mean? And I'm like, okay, well, if this guy's saying it, it means this. And if this guy's saying it, it means that. Um, but uh the so from the questions I was getting from these two copac clients, I I kind of had an inkling, you know, that, <laughs> yeah, that they were probably going to be, you know, that. Um, but so on the day, because the heatness calls everybody on like on the same day, um, the day that that call was supposed to happen, I got a call in the morning from the heatness saying, "Oh crap, <laughs> we just realized." <laughs> that that both of these people are your clients are you able to do this um and it was fine we were able to do it it wasn't a problem at all you know we can do we're working on so right now our kind of happy volume is like 4500 bottles in a day that's like you wow. know we're cruising along doing a doing a happy job we've been figuring out with those like 
Copac client, like when we were doing all that hot ones, we were working on new methods to increase that. So our peak is something like 75 or 8,000 bottles in a day, which was kind of a crazy all hands day. We wouldn't be able to do that five days a week, but yeah. um, it was what, what, one of the things we struggle with, with Copac clients is, um, is that it can be very feast or famine. And um, so we had a point that it was actually when we were making those sauces for hot ones might've been, might've been right after that. We had like five Copac clients all just descend upon us all at once. And we, within like a span of like three days, we filled up eight weeks of our schedule. And I was like, oh crap. And, you know, and, co and clients really don't like to hear that we're scheduling eight weeks out. And, uh, and so, and so I'm working on, you know, our, our butterfly bakery days are actually even smaller. Butterfly bakery is just the best hot sauce, the easiest hot sauce to make. I'm, I call myself a lazy baker. They're just, I, my, our methods, our procedures are just so easy. And, uh, and so when we do butterfly bakery, we do I don't know, between two and 3000 in a day. And, um, and what I want is to be able to do a two or 3000 bottle day or a 7,500 bottle day and, and have it basically be about the same. And, and that way, when we get these really big orders from Copac clients, that they don't just obliterate our schedule, um, that we can still, that we can do 7,500 bottles of theirs in a day, that might be their entire order, and it doesn't take up an entire week to do it. Um, so we're, we're working on those methods. It's, it's a bit of a, a juggling act that the 200 gallon kettle kind of limits that we sometimes have to do multiple cooks to do that. And, and then you, then we need to be doing sauces that don't require a 200 gallon cook, which is like the butterfly bakery sauces. So, yeah. so um, yeah, in terms of you and I co-packing together, yeah, it would be usually our process is that we, uh, we sign an NDA in the beginning. So you feel yep. comfortable that I'm not going to share your secrets or tell anybody anything. Oh and, uh, yeah, <laughs> we've got one, we've got one that we, that we do. And I mean, it, it doesn't change how I behave. It just helps people feel more comfortable that I'm not going to yeah. go, you know, posting around on the internet. And, um, and then usually uh, you would share. Which, real quick, do you yeah. want us to cut out or Spike to cut out the fact that you kind of shared some information about the keith sauce and, and an ingredient in there? Oh, that... that's that's not a okay. Uh, there's no, there's nothing secret there. Yeah, I mean, okay. there's no secret that we make. Keith talks about the fact that we make his sauces in his okay. videos, so we're good okay. there. And okay. then the fact that it has sour cream powder, it's right there in the ingredient list. So okay. just that's just want to make sure. Yeah, the um, and there isn't even anything special on how we mix it in. We did have to figure some stuff out so we didn't end up with giant clumps of sour cream powder. Yep. Um, <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but other than that, not, not really complicated. But uh, what were we saying? The, um, yeah. So then you would share, um, you know, after an NDA, you would share the recipe. I would look it over and see if it's something we can do. Um, you know, we do have some limitations in our kitchen. Grease-laden vapors happens to be one of them. Um, it's uh, it's just really expensive to have a fire-rated um, Ansel system and the welding. And so we just don't have that and we don't need it for our sauces. And we, we have made the re realization that we don't make any financial investments for our copac clients if they want us to if they would like to upgrade our <laughs> fabulous on it we'll, we're got we got it so um, but no fire roasting probably we don't fire roast um we do smoke we do have a smoker okay. um we have an outdoor area like out of a we call it a vineyard it's kind of a porch ish i don't know it's big it's big <laughs> and concrete and um and we have explored the idea of fire roasting things out there, you know, and so we don't have the equipment for it. So like I said, we don't, 
we don't make capital expenses on behalf of Copac clients. So you would have to provide a, you know, some fire roasting equipment, but we've got obscene amounts of propane and electricity in our building, um, obscene amounts. And, and the crazy thing is we're actually like close to maximizing it, which is, so I have to explore how to get more, but I'm, I'm always just blown away by how much more energy capabilities. It's not even usage, it's capabilities that we have in our building. But uh, I, I wanna, I'm going to look into solar power too, to see if that can help alleviate some of that. But, but yeah, so then, yeah, we see if it's something we can do. We do have ovens, obviously, so we can char things in there to some extent. It's not the same, but yeah. we can get some color on them. And yeah, so then we look at that. And then if that's something that we can do, usually we start with a micro batch uh, or actually even a test batch, which is usually like five gallons or so. Um, I can pretty accurately scale from five gallons to 40. Um, so we'll do like a five gallon batch. If that hits right, then we'll go up to the 40. Um, we can stay at the 40. Uh, we could do, you know, 40, 80, 120, 200. Um, and that, and that's priced on that. It gets cheaper as you get into the bigger batches. Um, oh, yeah. and then that, that pricing kind of max out at the 200. So I got a question. So when you do the, those small, like five gallon batches, obviously yep. things change a lot from five gallons to 40. Not as much as you would think. Really? Because I, <laughs> I know when we've upscaled to even yeah. like 20 gallons from five, the thickness is the yeah. issue. It just yep. changes, and uh, yes. which can be a real pain in the butt. So does we, it change from when you go from 40 to 80 or up? Yeah. So, so from five to 40 is usually fine. However, it's because of the way we treat our five. Um, we know like evaporation is a huge issue. That's really yeah. the main issue is evaporation. Yeah, yes. um, yeah. Evaporation and direct heat. We use indirect heat on all our kettles because they're steam jacketed. Yeah. Um, and so, and so yeah, burning could be an issue, but generally speaking, it's evaporation is the issue. So we, if we treat that five gallon batch correctly, there's, there's really no difference between the five and the 40. If I know that somebody got it up to a rolling boil, or we spent too much time going back and forth. Sometimes if we don't hit it right, we'll just stick the whole kettle in the or a whole pot in the cooler, bring it back out, reheat it. That gives us more evaporation. So things like that will tell us that we need to do something to the 40. Um, when we scale from a 40 to a 200, we absolutely have evaporation differences. Um, we get a lot less evaporation in our 200 than we do in our 40 and 80. Um, so that's something we we have to reduce the water by a fair amount. I mean, it might be 150 pounds of water that we leave out when oh, we scale wow. from that to the 200. Yeah. I would expect that you'd lose less going up like that, but I wouldn't expect yeah. that much. Well, that's yeah, so when you're in like a 40 gallon kettle, all the, all the heat's like condensed. It's in a smaller area of yeah. pushing pushing that seam out well we also have our 40 is a um is a cleveland 40 short so it's uh it's much wider and and shallower mm. um it's it's not the really narrow one that and tall one that most people have that, um, yeah. that was yeah 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 i think mo most people have that kind of narrow tall thing ours is the same width as our 80 just a lot shorter we huh. just so we're about to start using a steam jacketed kettle we've got a 40 yep. which by the way zach i found out is a cleveland they the company i forget the name of the company now but cleveland bought it out so they've got all this stuff for it oh, yeah. um so it's fun fun fact on cleveland steam jacketed kettles the company officially in their paperwork refers to them as cleveland steamers that's awesome <laughs> yep isn't it that is fantastic <laughs> so i know on my kettle i have to hold a like 
when it's not in use, it has to have a negative pressure. Is it like that mm-hmm. on on your on your standalone? Yeah. 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 On the standalones, it is. Um, and it's something um, that I always have to teach my kitchen crew to yeah. watch out for if it's not yep. heating properly to check that that pressure and to vent it if it's not holding pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Or holding vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. Holding this vacuum. is all the stuff I'll be learning next week. Yeah. <laughs> we did a test on it. It's working. Now we just got to figure out how to use it. Yeah. But if you're, if you're not holding that negative pressure, you're going to end up blowing that thing up. Well, it's actually really more what happens if you don't hold the hold it in negative pressure is that you don't get a good heat transfer because there's air. It's not being held in vacuum. And so it ends up just being really slow, um, like really slow. You're like, this should be heating. And why isn't it? Um, well, and it's just you can. I mean, there's can, a blow off valve to keep it from blowing up. But right. like he's saying if you don't hold that vacuum, it's you're going to be at 30 PSI and you're not going to be hot. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you're going to crank it. And then, yeah. Yeah. So actually it is one thing to make sure our first kettle was a refurbished one. And, and the guy, when he refurbished, made the valve to, um, to, to vent it really easy to access. And then when we got the one that was actually from Cleveland, it, um, it's a lot harder to, to reach in there and access. So just make sure you have good access to, to that spot and know where it is. Mm -hmm. Um, because even if you're in the middle of a cook and you're like, I just yep. suspect that's the problem. You can grab that that keyring and just give it a little, tss, yep. and and then you can and then you're off to the races. Oh, well. that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. awesome. <laughs> so how how long does it take you to bottle a two hundred gallon? First part of so, the question. And second part <laughs> of the question is: Do you fill that thing a hundred percent, or do you only fill it like ninety percent? So it depends on the sauce for filling. Answer your second question first. Um, it depends on the sauce. If we, if we've got more, you know, habaneros or anything that's light and fluffy like that, um, more plant matter, um, we, you know, we'll fill it all the way, but it'll reduce down before we pull it out. And then if we, but if it's all, you know, we've got a client who uses purees that they buy in from, from another company. And so it's just all the purees go in. We fill it right to the brim. We get like 4,700 bottles out of, out of those. And those are, those are so easy to make. It's great. Right. Love it. I say it all the time. If I could go back and start over, I wouldn't fire roast a, a fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. I, it's all. amazing. Those things that you start doing in the beginning, because it makes sense at a small level and then you scale up and you're like, wow, this doesn't make sense anymore, but God, I have to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. My yep. favorite thing, when we first started, we did, you know, I'll use this bottle as a, uh, we did a little Bazooka Joe style comic under the shrink wrap, which mm. was awesome. People loved it, you know, <laughs> and we did a little for- snarky little fortune on the back. And so people loved those. And then we, got, it was like, you know, 200 bottles at a time no big deal and as soon as we doubled that and then doubled again it was like oh no this is not gonna work anymore (laughs) well ours is is that we give out a free bottle of hot sauce every time people order on our website oh wow yeah i know right um and that seems kind of ridiculous and it is and we started doing that back when we didn't have a lot of website sales. And and I was like, this is fun. And especially as a bakery, we always have extra stuff. Um, right. And uh, and so I would just throw that in. A lot of who was ordering off our website was like friends. And I would be like, oh, it's my friend. Let me just throw a bunch of stuff in that box. And um, yeah, and then people got used to it. And so we still do it. And oh, wow. we go through 
thousands of bottles of hot sauce and it's not just hot sauce, but you know, if they're, if they're ordering hot sauce, we put in a bottle of hot sauce. If they're ordering granola, we might put in a baked good or something, but, and for caramel, we put in caramel and, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, thousands, absolutely thousands. And we, we might switch to a smaller bottle at some point and start doing, we've started, wanted to start doing two ounce bottles, but, um, Two ounce bottles aren't that much cheaper to make. And it the putting the full-size bottles does give us the advantage of being able to get rid of those sauces that aren't moving as well or or just kind of aged out and we're kind of done with. Um, we'll our, we'll always throw in those bottles first before we throw in our A-line bottles. But that energy um, drink hot sauce. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what? They doesn't need to be taken up room anymore. You can just throw it in, throw it in the back. That's a great idea. Like, not my problem anymore. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, we are at 515. Uh, oh, wow. This yeah. has flown by. Well, <laughs> yeah. I have a couple quick questions for you yeah. then that it just, it's a, we do this. So first of all, the last sauce, if you were on a, uh, not a desert yeah. island, that's the old one. Death row. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Death row meal. What's your death row meal? Yeah. And death row meal. What sauce you putting on it? Oh, God, what is my death row meal? So you know, I mean, shoot. So I don't know what my death row meal is. I feel like it's, it's my death row meal is going to be something that has sentimental value to me. You know, it's, yeah. if I was talking about my childhood, it'd be my dad's grilled soup or, um, you know, nowadays, you know, the meals that we make here at home that the whole family loves. My husband makes best breakfast sandwiches and, you know, so, so the death row meal is going to be those sentimental things. Um, and I think, just depend on how, when I made it to death row, what, what was sentimental at that point? Um, what sauce I'd put on it. Oh yeah. We have to, there's a qualifier on this. I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt, but, uh, it has to be somebody else's, not yours or ours. Right. Right. Um, so <laughs> it makes it a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Put smoked onion on it. Um, the, uh, put smoked onion on everything. So if, you know, like I said, I don't eat that much sauce. That's not my own. Yeah. That's not, that's actually not true. There have been a few sauces that I've had over the years that have really stood out to me that I re that, that I remember. Um, I really liked, um, heartbeats, Perry Perry. Do you remember that? The lines made yeah. Perry Perry. That was, that was fantastic. I love a good Perry Perry and heartbeat sauces are awesome. I recently, you know, it, you told me to bring a sauce and, um, I went to the New York hot sauce expo and I went there as a, as a customer. I didn't, uh, I wanted to go there and meet people and say hi. I didn't want to, go <laughs> but, uh, do you guys know these, uh, it's all blurry. Can you see uh -oh. it? No, nah, yeah, it's not going to come through, but, um, the Donis, do you know that company? Um, no, they do, um, they were on our the same season as uh, as we were for Taco Vibes Only, and they had the Cadejo. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, yeah. And it was the one that I always found really funny because it looked all ominous and scary, and it was like number three sauce. And then there's my like happy go lucky Taco Vibes Only <laughs> sauce number at number nine. nine that was all like cheery. <laughs> like I thought it was like, if anybody lined them up, they definitely would switch those too. But yeah, so I when I was there, I got this um, this like teak belong uh sauce and it's like a it's got it's got ube in it and like red thai chili and red onion and scallion it's got a lot of onion and i really like i really like onions and it's got some agave it's coconut vinegar and blackened coconut it's really cool so i just i really enjoyed this one and like i've been i've been pulling this one out of the fridge regularly to uh to enjoy it. it's got a nice like fresh chunkiness to it it's great that's awesome 
Well, I guess we're doing that's good because that was the next transition was what our uh, <laughs> hot sauce show and tell is. Zach, do you have your hot sauce show and tell? No. No? You don't? I can't eat spicy shit right now. Oh, that's right. <laughs> okay, that's totally understandable. Well, I have Hawaiian hot teas. They sent me Ooh. some sauce. Is that and... the fucking green one? Yeah. Sup, brah? I haven't. Sup, brah? Second ingredient <laughs> that is cilantro. So if you don't like cilantro. Oh, I love, I love cilantro. cilantro. Yeah. <laughs> You're just one of those people. Uh, no, I'm not one of those people. But I got to say, guys, no. Well, <laughs> the well he, okay, in all fairness, he buys that bottle setup. Like the bottle, that's, that cap is just a little bit taller than the cap she and I use. So we have to put that stupid thing on there. Otherwise, oh, really? the bottles won't seal. Yeah. Oh, Can't wow. Can't he put a different cap on there? I mean, he's in Hawaii. Yeah, he only has access to Hawaii. And which company this. is that? Uh, Hawaiian Hot Teas, I think. The cilantro is really coming through. It is really good. Wow. Nice, uh, mild, medium heat, mild, mild heat. Yeah. This is really good. If I like cilantro, yeah, it would be a delicious sauce. Oh, you know what? Hang on. I'll be right back. I'm old. You were going to the the back so i just thought i'm gonna change my battery real quick so i don't run out and just you have my why battery. don't you just get one you can charge dude because like plug it into your computer and then it has power because it's i have a good camera on here it's just you know well it's obviously not that good if you got to change the fucking batteries every time we do a <laughs> podcast well i mean if we go long it's all right i don't mind going long i just gotta take 30 seconds that's all there we go see Done, done, done. I just got to put it back on and we're ready to rock. Zach's so impatient. Hey, man. Like I said, Sunday is my one day to not have to do anything <laughs> hot sauce related. Yeah, yeah, here I am every fucking week. <laughs> you know you love it. Most of the time I do, but there are days where I'm like, fuck, man, I do not want to do this. My favorite days are the days that when you, so, uh, and I'm not probably not going to edit this out too much, but uh, I mean, the, you guys, you know, the coughing and the what we can't hear you what i'm probably going to leave some of this in but i just need to tell you i like the days when you're not wanting to do it still can't hear you i like the days when you're not wanting to do it and you come in and you've had a wonderful conversation those are my favorites okay so i'm breaking the rules and i don't give a fuck because the rules are meant to be broken well we made the rules (laughs) I have uh, some bikes, ketchup, (laughs) fungi ketchup. No, that's awesome. Yeah, we made it porcini mushroom, roasted red pepper, and tomato. Oh, that sounds great. I fucking hate ketchup, and we have a bottle of this in the house. That makes me so happy. So, wait, so uh, you make ketchup? Yes. So, what um, do you start with a tomato puree, or do you have equipment to get it down to the sheer ketchup oh we use the tomato puree we're yeah i I, at some point i'd love to be able to do all of it but we just don't have it where we're at right now that it's one of the big limitations that we have because we have to start with vermont produce that we have to be able to break it down all the way and uh there's absolutely recipes that you know we'll do for copac clients and we'll specifically develop them for copac clients but like we could never do for butterfly bakery because we're starting with you know an already processed ingredient and breaking down tomatoes takes forever. We've gotten pretty good at it. I mean, we can't get that tomato texture, yeah. but uh, for ketchup, um, that, would, that requires a uh, a Boston shear mill. 
And we've looked into high shear mills before. And besides the fact they're incredibly expensive, like a Boston shear mill is like a quarter of a million dollars. You also need to break it down ahead of that. You can't just stick a whole tomato in one of these things. So you have to have like a chopper and then like an immersion blender and then another mill. And like, you have to like get smaller and smaller. Otherwise you get blinding. And it just, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday at the farmer's market who used Alton Brown's ketchup recipe and we're so mad at him because (laughs) it took so long. And then like a day later, they went and had the Portland ketchup. I don't know if you've ever had that. It's really good. Mm -hmm. But uh, Portland, there's like a Portland ketchup um, and it's pretty well known in the Northwest and they had it and it was just. (laughs) Well, and and we've worked with um, a tomato with a tomato mill before, and that's gotten you get a pretty smooth product. One of the issues we run into is Vermont has a lot of water. We have obscene amount of water and, and good it water. Oh. Our, it's it is good water, yeah. but it gets into our produce, and and so the water, even the paste tomatoes that we get are really watery, and so uh-huh. we already separate out the water, like you know, fifty percent by weight. We're separating out and pouring down the drain, which kills me because it's really tasty stuff. Um, but just to get it to a thickness that people recognize. Otherwise, it's yeah. just, you know. It's super, real, I talked drink. about it in, in uh, one of our episodes, how our, our ghostly prick has been the most inconsistent sauce when it comes to consistency because of the red belt feathers yeah. and the water content. Yeah. I rectified that shit, though. Yeah, this summer, you know, obviously we got a lot of rain here in Vermont and um, fruit has been so watery. Like the fruit this summer has just honestly been pretty awful because it just tastes like sour water. Do you have any questions for us? What made you guys want to do this show? Bike begged me for like three months. So here's the thing. Zach and I started our companies about the same time and we connected and uh, you're talking about, you know, not keeping secrets. It's so funny. We were both figuring out like processes or anything. The FDA website, actually. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we've, we've been doing it like this. And I sent him what I thought was just one of our recipes. I thought that'll help. I sent him everything. And I was like, ah, I mean, I already, tr- I trusted him. I didn't care, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was fine. I didn't have anything to hide. And I could walk in a grocery store and create a new, I can't stop myself. My mm-hmm. wife yep. wishes I would. I, I used to make hot sauces at home and our, I would, when I would exercise, I would, my exercise clothes would smell like hot sauce because yeah. they were just in the house with all the vinegar. Yeah. yeah. I so much better than when I was, I used to work in a fish restaurant and I smelled like fish all the time. I like smelling like hot sauce. That's all yeah. right. Yeah. No, basically a few months ago, Spike reached out. It's like, Hey man, I want to do this podcast. I'm like, cool. Enjoy that. Have fun. He's like, but I want to do it with you. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't want to be on camera. I don't like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to. I fucking hate the camera, dude. Like I fucking, I don't want to do it. I don't want it for some months. And he's like, come on, come on, just try it. So here we are. Every every time Zach and I get on the phone, we're on the phone for an hour and a half to two hours talking about hot sauce. And I was like, well, why don't we just do this with people? And mostly bitching about the way people are doing the process wrong. There's so many cowboy hot sauce companies. (laughs) And I'm like, so what if we create something that shows like because we just had no clue create something that shows the right way to do things or at least us exploring the right way to do things. Yeah. And we can do it at all levels. And I, I man, I love that. And I've learned so much in the last three months, two months, whatever we've been doing it. It's been fantastic. Yeah. The yeah. Tim Holman episode was very informative. Yeah. And which, this episode. Which episode? Yeah. Tim, Tim from uh, 
Palm and Acres, California House of Solutions. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably my my favorite episode so far. Up uh, up until this one. <laughs> no, I told you while we were talking that this is going to be my new favorite episode. <laughs> I mean, I genuinely can tell you this is my new favorite episode. I really awesome. enjoyed this. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I can I can I can talk hot sauce forever and hopefully not bore too me too many people with rules, but <laughs> I think rules are great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're there for a reason, you know. Um yeah. I, I, I say it all the time. I, I, I and I'm not shy about it. I always I didn't always do things the legal way. The second someone <laughs> reached out, you know what I mean? Another company, Thomas yeah. reached out. I was like, hey bro, it doesn't look commercial kitchen. I looked into it. I was like, oh, okay. Let's shut yeah. the let's shut the company down, you know, and, and get legit. It's it's the people that you know you kind of bring to attention. Hey, you, you know, this isn't exactly legal. And they're like, I don't fucking care. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's, you know, it's Vermont's a really interesting place to be because there's a real, um, the, the food community here, the food maker community is, is really supportive and people help each other out. They, um, you know, we, everybody's been a little proprietary with their employees recently because we don't have enough of them. But, um, but for the most part, everybody is just, it's a really, really great community. And, um, and every once in a while we get people like that who are just like, I'm just going to do things my way and I'm not, I'm not going to follow any rules and I'm just yeah. going to, and, and all of us kind of look at the, that person and we're like, you're not going to get very far. Like it's, you know, there's such a, uh, there's also such an element of quality here that, uh, with food that, you know, everybody around them goes, what, what are you doing? But I remember somebody, uh, they did dog treats. So it wasn't, wasn't human food. Um, and he told me on the sly as if I was supposed to really commiserate with him that his gluten-free dog treats weren't actually gluten-free oh. because the flour was too expensive. Why? Why? You can fucking <laughs> kill somebody. Right? Yeah. And, and I guess he was like, ah, it's a dog. Who cares? But I'm like, it doesn't matter. They're buying gluten-free dog treats. Make them gluten-free. It's not well, that yeah. hard. Imagine if like the person touching a dog treat had like severe celiac disease mm -hmm. and it's gluten-free yeah. on the fucking that's why none of our packaging says vegan. It doesn't yeah. say gluten-free. It doesn't say none of that shit because I'm not none of it's certified, you know? Yeah. I'm not certified gluten-free. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean it's oh. I I don't, uh, I don't, I don't get when people do that. I feel like, and I, and I do admit that, you know, here in Vermont regulations are generally reasonable. So I do realize like in some, some places, you know, you get the inspector who just wants to find the faults and see, and, you know, and nail you for it or something. And we just don't have that in Vermont. If, if they find a problem, they, they, they just want to help you fix it. Um, and I love uh, Vermont. It's a great, <laughs> it really is. We used to, vi I've never been up that far, but we used to visit Vermont, uh, Southern Vermont, Vermont all the yeah. time when we were in Amherst. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's great here. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not from Vermont. I'm from California, but it's, uh, I moved here right after college and it's just, this is, this is where I want to be. <laughs> yeah. We almost moved there, came really close. Uh, we were going to move to Brattleboro. Well, if you if you decide to do that now, there's not enough housing by oh. like a really long shot. <laughs> that was why we Every, didn't then. It's, then we, it's gotten so much worse. <laughs> then we almost moved to Maine and then somewhere along the line, mm -hmm. Idaho came up. And <laughs> no, but we're originally I'm originally from Riverside, California. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm originally from Berkeley. So oh yeah, that's awesome. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful time. Yeah, this is this has been a lot of fun. And if you guys want to make it up to Vermont, I would be I would love to show you around. We yeah. 
may I, very I don't well do take cold. you up on that. I don't, I don't, I do not <laughs> get cold. Not it at all. It gets hot and humid in the summer. Yeah, it does. It's spring or fall. Growing <laughs> up in Philadelphia, those are my two favorite seasons. You get those so, flies that bite in summer. Oh, horse flies, man. Horse flies. Yeah. No, yeah. There's something else. What are they called? We we get black flies. Yeah, black flies yeah. are awful. Yeah. But we don't, the black flies are really sucky flyers. They're not good at flying. So when you're in a city or any sort of place with like car traffic that air the moves a lot, they're, they're not an issue. They're really only an issue when you're out in the woods. Oh, that's good to know. So, yeah. But uh, in the, if you come in the fall, it's really expensive. It's absolutely beautiful, but really expensive because everybody else comes in the fall. If you come in the spring, it's a lot cheaper, but really ugly because we call it stick season. So or mud, mud season. season, yeah. Mud yeah, season. no, I, I grew up in Philadelphia, right outside of Philadelphia. Kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cold, dreary, gray winters, and then you got kind of spring, first spring. Just kidding. Back to <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I know about all the sub seasons. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that here, but it's like a milder version of it. So we're in um in Moscow, Idaho, right next to the border of uh, Washington. So we're in yeah. uh, northern Idaho, but it's. Uh, I remember moving here from Massachusetts and in Massachusetts, it was winter, you know, uh, not, yeah. I mean, nowhere near probably what you're getting, but still pretty bad and uh, moved here and winter happens, but it's like, oh, yeah. this is, you know, we just got eight inches of snow and that's a lot here. Well, yeah, I, I lived in Ohio for four years and yeah, it was kind of like that. We'd get like, oh. you know, a couple inches and that was it. And that was, yeah. Zach, you would probably get along with my, um, my hot sauce my hot sauce supervisor, my lead kitchen supervisor, she, uh, she loves Philly. Um, she was, she did her, uh, she went to CIA and, uh, she did her initial training in the kitchen world down in Philly. And we have a, our dishwasher is from Philly now, and she just keeps going on about Philly and it just, she, she loves it there. So. Uh, and she I mean, loves people from Philly. <laughs> I, I don't know why. But we're kind of rude. But we don't have I a filter. She, she, no, when I, when I hired this dishwasher, she was like, Thank you. Like she was so yeah. Excited. We're like our own species, kind of. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk different. Yeah, I don't. You just gotta. You gotta be from Philly to understand. Water. You know what water is. I was talking to Helen about you the other day, Zach, and I said I was telling my wife Helen, and I was telling her that uh, what I like the most about Zach is he has absolutely no filter. Well, that's yeah. funny because I actually do. I mean, <laughs> I said most of what I thought. Like, I, 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 I like have, I have to. I have to hold a lot back, man. Especially, you know how it is being a small business owner. You can't like yeah. protect yourself from being too much of an asshole. But, but just that when you always know where you stand with somebody because they're gonna yeah. tell you right then and there. Oh, it's yeah. just it's a golden. You love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it's great. I'll, I'll let Spike know immediately if he's texting me too much. Like, hey, man, I don't want to fucking talk right now. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say it just like that. He's yeah. like, cool. Talk to you later. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's what it is. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was great to be here. Great, yeah. great talking to you guys. Yeah. Take care now. Flavor Balance Heat, the podcast for hot sauce lovers and makers, was brought to you by Irish Spikes Unique Hot Sauces, High Desert Sauce Co., and Vandal Pepper Sauces. This is a Spike Mine Media Production.